This is episode 60 with former Army interrogator Roman Roberts. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle coach, and this show is to help you begin building a life of fulfillment and to leave a positive mark on the world. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now take out your pencils and let's begin. We have Roman Roberts on the show today. Roman actually grew up in foster care and bounced in and out of different homes and um, not really the best homes. And at 18, he joined the military where he got a lot of training and he was deployed multiple times with special operations, but he was also trained as an interrogator. Uh, And so when he got back, just that transition from from military to life um, was a big one for him. And he actually almost lost his marriage. Uh, And so he went through a lot of of trials and he went on a journey uh, to recover and to self-discover. Uh, what his purpose was and mission was. And so he focused on fitness and mindfulness that helped him discover his purpose and passion in life. And now, um, apart from being a podcast host himself with Real Talk with Roman, he is also a business coach and consultant where he helps businesses increase their profitability um, through processes and leadership training. He also implements, and this is cool, and this is what we're going to dig into. He implements interrogation techniques in his coaching. Uh, and so we're going to dive into that and we're super excited. Um, and he, I definitely want to mention he's also a proud husband and father, just trying to get better every day. So Roman, welcome to Pencil Leadership. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped. Yeah, no problem. Super, super excited to have you here and dig into um, just how you implement your interrogation techniques and trainings into um, coaching businesses. But first, I would love to hear uh, a high level, detailed level, whatever you want to share with us about your journey to where you or how you got to where you are today. Yeah, man, it's funny because this kind of comes at a perfect time. I was just at a foster home speaking uh, a year last this time last year about my journey. And so it's kind of funny that here I am again talking about that journey. But uh, it really did start in foster care, right? Like it started with me bouncing around these homes, uh, not really having a sense of identity. Uh, some of them were less than ideal, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, wanting to get away from that lifestyle, I kind of jumped towards the military and I gravitated towards it. It was, it was a family. It was a community. It was a brotherhood. It was something that I hadn't had uh, that I wanted. So I jumped into the military, uh, became an interrogator had a blast doing it. Um, it, but <laughs> the thing that I didn't realize is that the trauma of foster care added to mm-hmm. the trauma of, uh, multiple deployments as an interrogator and yeah. those experiences, uh, it, it creates, it creates a lot that you need to unbundle afterwards. And I didn't have an identity beforehand. So definitely when I got out, um, I lost that sense of identity and, mm-hmm. uh, it was me trying to figure out who I was, who I am, uh, I kind of made it by for a little bit, just kind of skirting by doing the things, keep keeping my head down and working, right. but didn't deal with any of the real issues behind that. And uh, it eventually got to a boiling point. I almost lost my marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I almost committed suicide. It was it was a really rough time. I mean, I was drinking a lot, addicted to pills, things of that nature. Um, and it just was not a healthy way to live. And so eventually got to a place where I tried to get it all back together and began with building a relationship with God, Mm. finding my identity, journaling, fitness, getting that mind, body, spirit, right? And then that kind of translated into everything else. And 
led me to eventually getting to a place where now I tell my story and I let other people tell their story on my podcast. And I try to take the same practices that help me get better and use those to help businesses and other people get better. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And, and thank you for sharing again uh, and being vulnerable and open because I think that's where healing really starts and then allows other people to learn from that. So um, it's cool to see where you are now compared to, to the journey you're on. So uh, what was that like? Like, what was, do you think the hardest part about kind of transitioning into a new like identity, like not having anything and, and, and getting through all of those, those, um, those negative things, those hardships to get to where you are now? Like what, what do you think was really like the turning point? Uh, so honestly, the turning point was uh, my wife. I'd actually stepped out of our marriage. Um, mm. I, I was I was not a great person to be around. I was not a great person yeah. in general. And yeah. uh, basically, like we were at a place where it wasn't going to work out, and it wasn't um, because it was because I wasn't trying. I wasn't putting anything in there. But I also, I didn't know how to. And that doesn't justify what I did. I'm in no way condoning what I did. I'm simply saying that by not knowing those things, I just tried to do what people said, right? Happy wife, happy life. But in doing that, you lose your identity, right? Because you're not doing anything for you. So happy you and a happy spouse put together makes for a happy life because you're both individually happy. So you can be collectively happy and build that life, right? And so really and truly, I just started deep diving into that, diving into the traumas and the things of that nature. And uh, my wife was a rock star. I mean, she stood by Mm -hmm. me being Uh, kind of that person uh, dealing with the traumas from deployments, dealing with the trauma from abusive foster homes. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of helped me work through it. And, you know, she's given me a kick in the A when I need it, but she's also (laughs) been right there kind of supporting me when I need it as well. Uh, That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, It's we're, we're truly blessed both of us to have supportive wives, you know, that really help guide us and kind of, yeah, give us that kick when we need it. So that's awesome to hear. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's for anybody, right? Like if you're trying to discover your identity or whatever it is, like, and it doesn't have to be a spouse, but you need to have right. somebody that you can confide into, speak to mentor, yep. uh, a spouse, obviously when you're in a relationship, it works really well, right? Cause your spouse yeah. is that other half and that continuation. Yep. And so having that person to really push through and kind of talk to, because for me, I had nothing to pull from, right? Like I had nothing to pull my identity. So I had to just kind of like dig through those pieces and it was nice to kind of have someone to say, okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking and this is kind of what I'm seeing. This is kind of what I'm feeling and being able to talk that out with someone. For sure. Absolutely. I think it's, it's so critical. And it's, you always hear like you are the sum total of the five people you hang out with. So it's, and it's crucial because they can lift you up or pull you down. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's, that's great insight and perspective uh, that anyone could use, especially in the time we're in. And, but I, so when did you realize like, Hey, this is, this is something I have, like I have a set of skills that if I go to the uh, taken, uh, there we go, the show that you could help people with in your business and in life. Like what, what kind of clicked for you? You know, it, it just, it just wasn't healthy the way that I was living, the way that I was mm-hmm. doing everything. Like it, it wasn't there. Um, my relationship was off with, with friends, with my wife, with everyone. Like I was, I was this person I didn't even recognize. And it just kind of clicked for me that, um, that's true for individuals, but that's also true Mm -hmm. for businesses. Right. So like everyone kind of has to uh, go on that journey of discovery and I had all the tools to do it. Right. Like I 
been around great leaders in the military. Um, I had, you know, the Bible, I had the books that I've been listening to. I had the podcasts that I've been listening to had all these different resources and all the resources mm-hmm. are out there, right? Like there's nothing yeah. new, like, right? Even, even in leadership books and things of that nature, everyone puts their own spin on it, but the general principles are foundationally the same, right? And that's not to right. detract from author A or author B. It's just to yeah. say that in reading lots of these books, I think everyone who's done it can agree. There's a lot of similarities, but that mm-hmm. one little different piece, it's finding what speaks to you. Yeah. And so I just kind of did that and I found what speaks to me. And then I found that for some people, what I was saying actually resonated with them. And yeah. so it was, it was interesting to, to kind of put those pieces together. That's awesome. So you knew from kind of the get go that you wanted to incorporate like the interrogation techniques or did that kind of seep in later? Or? Honestly, it's the one thing people always ask, right? Because I do always introduce myself, you know, Roman Roberts, former army interrogator. And that's one of the first things people always say, right? And, you know, it just, it related. Everything I did in business related to interrogation. Everything I do in podcasting relates to interrogation. And the funny thing is a lot of people actually know some of the skills. They may not know it by the actual names that they are in interrogation. They may not have the the detailed training. I mean, obviously I've, you know, the psychological training, I've been to basic and advanced interrogation and interview courses, joint interrogation courses, trained international interrogators, like all these different pieces. Um, so yeah, maybe I've had like more exposure to it. Um, but if you've ever tried to convince somebody to do something, you've <laughs> essentially done some of the skills of interrogation. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what was that like going through all that training? I'm sure it was pretty intense and um, with the military there. Yeah, yeah, it was, but you don't really, I guess in the moment, you don't really see that, right? It, gotcha. was, it was fun. It was, I was traveling the world. I was traveling throughout the United States. I was meeting all these amazing people, like top tier operators, um, trainers from like international uh, hmm. renown and all these different things. And it was just it's, so cool. And getting to read like books on, on interrogation and getting to meet the authors, uh, getting to go to like facilities where they were, you know, doing, uh, terrorist embed training. Right. So you would basically oh, okay. live the same way that the terrorist would live and things like that. And so you would kind of get a feel for how they think and things of that nature. So it was, you know, as, as close as you could replicate, but, yeah. but those type of experiences were, were really fun and interesting. And, you know, obviously there's bad days in it, like anything else, it's still a job at the end of the day. Right. And, you know, there is that piece where you're, you're talking to people and people are exposing themselves to you and opening up, right. You know, whether it's because they're afraid because you just rolled onto an objective and, you know, guns were blazing and it's the middle of the night and you're kitted up, or maybe it's, you know, they've been sitting in a detention facility uh, and they want to get home to their family, you know, and, and they're opening up. And I didn't realize at that young age, what those conversations would do to me later on. Mm. Um, but yeah, at the time that I was doing, it was super fun. The training mm. was you know, super intense. And then I would get to be this young person operating at a top tier, responsible for lots of money. People were depending on me. People were, you know, my information was critical to the battlefield. So, so things like that were just kind of, you know, they, they would boost your ego, but they were also um, kind of humbling in a way. Now yeah. that I look back on it, man, yeah, that would be that'd be super intense, uh, almost that much pressure and kind of weight on your shoulders, you know. Uh, so, so how do you correlate that into like now businesses? How do you take those techniques there? 
Well, the first point that you make is really good, right? The pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, the military is an extreme pressure and everyone goes through pressure. Um, but if you really look at it for any business, you have this crazy experience or this crazy thing that you didn't think you were going to get through, whatever that moment is inside of your business. And if you can pull from that and the person you were, the character, the skills you learned, the things you realized didn't work, which those are just as important as the things that did, right? If you can do that and pull from that and remember that, then that helps you into the next one. And with interrogation, as much of it is conversation, a big piece of it is listening and analytics and reviewing, right? So one of the big things that I say is, you know, the, the old grandpa quote, right? You have two ears and one mouth. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing in business and it's the same thing in interrogation. You got to listen, you got to pay attention to what's going on. You got to look around, you got to see and really build that comprehensive picture. So then you can ask the right questions, right? Because mm-hmm. anybody can ask a question, right? Like True. just, you know, who, what, where, when, why, those are the interrogatives. Everyone yeah. knows them. Um, but when you really think about it, like how do you get a question that flows? How do you get a question that makes sense with where you're trying to go? Well, it comes by understanding where you're trying to go and it comes by understanding where you are. And when you really put those pieces together, then your questions start becoming, you know, how do I get better in the future? And you start doing that forward thinking, which by doing that, you're actually improving in the current as well. Okay. No, that makes, that makes sense. So like when you're talking to a business, you, you basically kind of see where they're at and let them kind of talk and guide almost the conversation and then kind of direct them like, okay, so what's that going to take to get to where you want to go kind of thing? Am I tracking right there? Am I yeah, listening? You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're no, you're listening exactly right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, because the funny thing is, is, and I say this all the time with consulting, um, the purpose of a consultant is to work myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. I should teach you how to do it yourself. You shouldn't yep. need me forever. Now yeah. you can come back to me for reference points or, or whatever, right? But at the end of the day, uh, I'm trying to empower you to, to be successful, to do what you want to do with your business. And in yeah. doing that, it really starts by saying, okay, where do you want to go? Right. And, and some people will say, well, I don't know. That's why I hired you. Well, no, you do. Like everyone has an idea where they want to go, what they want right. to see, what their 10 year plan is, what, whatever you want to call it. But the problem is, is people don't do the things that help them get to there. They get mm-hmm. so caught up in the little things. So when I say, okay, hey, what's your big goal? Where do you want to get to? Well, then I said, then it's kind of that obvious point. What things are you doing to get to that? Oh, well, I can't do that because I'm too busy trying to teach everyone how to do sales because no one knows how to sell. And I (laughs) built this from the ground up. So I know how to do it all. Right. And so it's really just diving down to that root cause and saying, Hey, like, what is the core problem? Okay. Now we can solve that, whether it's build a system, build a process, whatever it is. But, um, usually by the end of that, by doing that kind of consulting and running through with them, those are the same questions that they need to ask. Right. So I'm teaching them how to be interrogators inside of their own business. Right. How do you ask your people, you know, are we going the right direction? How are you tracking to those quarterly goals? How are you tracking to those weekly goals? How are you tracking to those daily goals? And how is all of that, um, how do you have your pulse on that? And it comes again by questioning, right? It's the core fundamental of everything. Why do we generate data to answer questions, right? No, I think that, no, that's key because you almost let them figure it out on their own, basically. You're just kind of guiding the the wording of the questions for they kind of come up with the answer, right? 
Right. And you obviously you you don't let them go down the crazy avenues, right? Yeah, because right. Everyone will say one of one of their big problems is, you know, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough resources, I don't have right. enough people, I don't have <laughs> enough automation, I don't have enough that right. Like you can constantly complain about what you don't have. Yeah. Um, but one of the key things that I found being an interrogator was uh, you just bypass that really quickly. So when I was doing interrogations at, at my first strategic post, uh, we were we were out there and we were asking all these questions in the facility uh, to different detainees. And everyone was doing these really long approaches, trying to get their feelings and trying to get all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, what, what if I just went in there and said, hey, like, what do you want? What's in, what's your interest? What what's your what's your drive? What's your motivator? And then what if I dove directly into questions? Maybe not all of them were important, like where are the bombs? But what if right. I just started directly into questions and got them used to that? And I actually found that it worked really well. I, on average, I was beginning to gather information about three times faster than most huh. other interrogators, and it was because I was diving deep into it and diving directly into it. So it's kind of the same thing with business, right? Like, yeah, you you want when you hire a consultant, you, part of you wants to tell them all the things that are bad, but that aren't your fault, right? Like, you mm-hmm. kind of want to just offload and kind of treat it like a therapist. But that's not the point of it, right? Like my job right. is to help you become better. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll listen to some of that, but at a certain point, I'm like, okay, but what about this? What about this? Well, how yeah. do we improve your processes? Show me your processes, right? Let's look yeah. at your processes. Nope, you don't have any processes. Okay, that's a big, my, that's a big red flag. Let's start yeah. writing processes. And so it's really just diving into that and not being afraid to dive into it. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, you're, you're not hiring a consultant to be nice or friendly. And that's kind of the thing with interrogations, right? Like you can turn it on and be friendly when you need to and do that. But at the end of the day, you're trying to get something and they want something, right? So at the moment where you realize that and in everything, there's a little bit of a transaction. So when you realize that as a consultant and you go right in there and you say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. And this is what you want. This is what you need. Let's get there it makes it a lot easier to kind of pull out some of that other stuff and say, no, we're not going down that route. No, Hey, it's not a blame game. Right. And, uh, and, and that's just kind of one of the the quick ways to kind of bypass that because everyone's got a certain level of, let me tell you what, what's going on and what isn't my fault. Let me show you, you know, my, my, my master success or, or whatever. Right. No, I think that's good to kind of cut through all that. Cause I mean, yeah, I think we're, uh, to no fault maybe of anyone, but that's just kind of how people inherently go with it. And so if we can cut through that and bypass that, it saves time, gets results faster, uh, and helps people uh, be happier because cause they get the results. Do you find though that some, so do you notice there's different personalities maybe with people that make it harder or easier to do that with? Oh yeah, definitely. So another key thing about interrogation is realizing who you're talking to, yeah. right? And you spend a lot of time learning the psychological and things of that nature. Well, the same applies for anybody in a business, right? And yep. salespeople are great at this because they their whole job is reading a person and tailoring their pitch towards them on a product, right? Obviously, you need a good product to sell. But uh, if you can kind of understand the person, you can bypass some of that at times. And the same is true inside of business. Um, one of the biggest pitfalls is small businesses where the person built it all by themselves um, and grew it from kind of their bootstraps, which is great. I'm not downplaying that in any way, shape or form, 
but it does make it hard when you get to a larger scale because you don't want to separate because you're the one who yep. built the processes. You're the one who did the sales. You're the one who can sell the best. You're, yep. you're the one you want to turn to when it's crunch time because you performed in all the other crunch times. Right? So it's the pride and ego kind of getting in the way a little bit. Exactly. And yeah. it's a, and the funny thing is, is all of them directly relate to interrogation approaches, right? If you look through the handbook, they're in uh-huh. interrogation approaches. And one of them is pride and ego up and another one is pride and ego down. Right. Huh. So one is where you play to the ego and the other one is where you bring the ego down and a little bit. And anyone will tell you that a good approach strategy is really kind of meshing all of it and kind of going up this roller coaster, so to speak. For sure. Because if someone has a pride and ego, you obviously got to drop it down a little bit. Right. But like anything else, if you take it down too low, you got to build it back up. Right. And uh, like a dance. That's, yeah, exactly. Perfect analogy. Right. And interrogation, business consulting, they're all a dance. Right. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's this like witch doctor voodoo or anything. It's really (laughs) to say that there's an art to it. And the art is keeping everybody comfortable moving in the right direction, right? When you're dancing, you're, you're moving in a certain flow to a rhythm of a music to, you know, create this beautiful display. And Mm. the same thing is true for business. You're, you're talking to a consultant to get through these problems. And sometimes you're going to have a misstep or this and that, um, but you just got to work through it. And like, to, to that original example, right, of the pride and ego and, you know, those micromanagers who have been super ingrained inside of the business, um, you start by kind of taking them down a peg and not in a mean way, but yeah. saying, look, you have 30 people, you want to be more focused on growing the business to the next million, but you can't do that if you don't have any faith in Bob. Didn't you hire Bob? Well, yeah. Okay. So are you a competent hire or what? What's the problem here? Exactly. Well, no, Bob's good. Okay. So if Bob's good, let Bob do his job and, you know, kind of pulling them down. And then, uh, you know, if they're like, well, uh, it's, Hey, you hired the good person. Let's look at, let's look at the resume. Let's look at the questions you asked. And that's one of the other things too, is people always say, well, can you help me like do better interviews and immediately know if someone's the right candidate? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I try to, uh, but right. A little bit, um, you know, I can give you all the tips and all the pointers and all the right questions and things like that. Just like anything else, there's people who sometimes slip through the cracks, right? For sure. you know, every organization has to realize that at some point you're going to have a less than ideal employee and how you choose to handle that is really what matters, right? What, what you as yeah. a leader choose to do. And that dives into the whole leadership piece of how I help people through the leadership scale of it as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So if someone's starting out and they're trying to get better uh, with the interrogation and approaching kind of a situation like this where they're either selling or they're trying to have someone change their, their mind on or, or get on board with a process that's going to help them uh, in the long run, where would you say maybe a couple things uh, that they should start practicing or implementing within their conversations? Yeah. So I think the first is kind of going back to that early point, get really good at listening, right? Yeah. Get really good at sitting there and actively listening, not like listening on your phone. Yeah. Listen, look at the person because a lot of it is nonverbal, right? We all hear it and we all see it, but nobody ever believes it. Right. And now it's not as pronounced as like the show lie to me or like bones or anything like that where, I, I saw him twitch out of <laughs> this minute, like half a millisecond, right? Yeah. Like there, there is some science and stuff to that, but for the average person having business conversations day to day, 
Um, you're, you're looking for those big key indicators, right? Are their legs crossed, meaning that they don't feel comfortable? Are they fidgeting a lot? That could mean they're nervous or excited, or maybe they're not in the right comfort space. Are they stumbling through the conversation, right? Like those are all things that happen before you've even digested anything they've said. That's all just everything they're doing, right? And so then once you get through that and you get better about seeing those, and I encourage people, you know, when you go out with your friends or, you know, you're talking to your spouse, um, make it kind of a goal. And I'm a big journaler, right? So in your journal at the end of the day, write down a, a conversation where you notice somebody who um, was nervous or didn't seem comfortable in the conversation and then dive into the question. Okay. Why did they seem nervous? Right. Because of this. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so now you're kind of doing that analytical piece because like I said, interrogation is a lot more analytical pre-work and post-work than it is really what happens inside of that conversation. Gotcha. No, I think but when you get to the conversation, ask those questions, definitely okay. stay down on the interrogatives who, what, where, when, why, right. And keep it natural. Don't be a robot. Don't just, <laughs> Who, who are you? What do you, why do you <laughs> want this? What do you want to do? Right? Yeah, it, it, it's and, not a checklist. And, <laughs> right. and that was a funny thing too, because when you start, when you go to school to be an interrogator, you build what's called an interrogation book. And it's basically uh, a giant notebook and you have okay. tons of questions and resources and flip charts and all this stuff. Huh. But it's, it's a reference, right? It's to teach huh. you the foundations of asking questions um, and, and really getting good at kind of memorizing and, and all of those aspects. But the point being, that's not where you want to stay, right? A lot of organizations will have interview checklists that give you questions that you have to ask. While you have to ask the question, do you have to ask them all in that chronological order? Do you have to ask them with no inflection whatsoever, (laughs) right? Right. Can you not have any follow-up to it, right? All of those things exist. So, So use those tools, right? And get comfortable with asking questions. So another way to do this is, do it inside of your conversations, right? Step one, you've analyzed people as you've been talking to them, right? Yeah. So now when you go out to dinner or drinks with your friend, say, hey, you know, um, try to figure out three things about their family that you didn't know before, right? Hmm. And, or whatever, whether, yeah. just pick something, right? Say, say I'm going to find out what their three favorite shows are from the 80s, right? Or what their favorite <laughs> 80s song is or whatever, right? It can be totally random because the, the okay. idea is to just grow in the skill. The question yeah. itself doesn't matter. Now, I guess if you really want to dive into it and you want to find out like, is their bank account number? Yeah. Is Emily, <laughs> you know, is, is Emily a good person or whatever? I guess you can, right? Yeah. But the point being is, just, just try to find those simple things because it yeah. gets easier. Cause then when you're in front of your employee and you're trying to say, Hey, what's your motivation? What's your driver? You now have gotten really good at asking those questions and getting to that place and seeing how bodies elicit responses. Right. And so yeah. then you can kind of channel that into the conversation you're having. That's cool. Yeah. So listening and reading kind of reading the room, quote unquote, but reading their body language. And I've heard so much like, yeah, body language is huge, even for the person asking the questions, because that can set a vibe and that can either loosen a person up or really kind of make them uneasy by how we are approaching the situation. Oh, yeah. Interviewers are the worst, right? For job (laughs) interviews, because you're going in there with the so an interview is automatically a tax on your time, right? Because it's yeah. an addition to your normal duties, right? So you're already a little frustrated that you have to do it. <laughs> Even if it's subconsciously, everyone is a little bit, right? But yeah. subconscious is the big thing. What we think subconsciously actually shows in the way yep. we conversate. And so 
really getting that in check and knowing, I mean, it's kind of that mindset thing, right? Like I don't have to do an interview. I get to do an interview to find the right employee to be the next best fit for our organization. And then if I find the right one, I don't have to do this again. Right. So you kind of hype yourself up about it in that way. But yeah, if you go into it and you're like, okay, like, you know, and you're fumbling through the papers and you're trying to get through it and you're half asleep or you're irritated because your meeting ran long and now you got to jump into this. And immediately, as soon as it's done, you're going to jump into the next meeting. Well, that already sets that vibe for the person, right? So sure. just as much as you have to pay attention to theirs, you definitely have to pay attention to your own. And I encourage that one by just asking makes me what what happens when I'm upset so like for me um I am it's very much in my face so my nostrils and my eyes that's very much where it shows through so my wife can tell when I'm frustrated because of the way that I move my lips or the way that I start to blink a lot or the way that my nostrils kind of flare uh so so those are kind of the indicators for me and it's the same thing for everyone everyone has an indicator so find out what your indicators are and the best way to do that is in conversations like you know, it works really well with a spouse, right? You can say, yeah. Hey, like when I'm upset, what facial expressions do I make or what gestures do I make? Right. And, but you can also do it with friends, people who know someone has to know you really well. Yeah. Cause true. once you know that, then you can address that inside of the way that you conversate with people. Okay. So what would you say maybe are a couple, uh, positive body language positions or, how we can set a good tone when we're coming into a conversation with someone. Anything forward, anything where you're kind of forward um, because it shows that you're open, you're receptive. So obviously open posture, right? When you're not closed off, your arms are kind of, your legs are open. They're not crossed anything that's open. So it's a security mechanism, right? If you dive back into the psychology behind it, it's, we do it out of safety. We shield our body to protect ourselves. We turn to keep our vital organs from being exposed, right? It's all the way back to just old, old, old science, right? Yeah. And point being, um, when you're in a comfortable environment, you're going to be open. Um, now don't, with that said, don't force yourself to do it, right? It also (laughs) has to be a little natural. Right. So another one is a lot of movement, hand movements and gestures. Um, They show that you're comfortable because obviously you're not trying to protect yourself. So with that, you know, but don't just overly exaggerate. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Be be realistic about it. Um, Right. But those, anything that's an open posture is really good. Obviously smiling, right. Um, uh, Trying not to fidget with your hands or fidget with papers. Those are all just kind of the typical ones. Um, not, and not necessarily because that's not you. Cause I also, I'm a very, like, I move my legs a lot. Okay. Um, but what that does is that sets, that makes the other person uncomfortable because they also see your movement as well. Right. So also address, realize that while that may be comfortable or a norm for you, what does your norm, how does that impact someone else? Right. Because gotcha. that will throw off your baseline as well. Right. Like if I'm sure. fidgeting a lot, well, then the person's going to be like, well, crap, what's he like so nervous about what's going on here. Yeah. So then they're going to start like acting nervous and that's going to throw off your entire read of the person. Okay. No, I think that's, that's a big one. So being open. Yeah. Cause that makes sense. I mean, and I think like when we're really cold too, like we, we like huddled, like get close and like wrap our arms around each other and shoulders go up. So everything's tense, you know, it makes sense when you're in kind of a danger situation too. So, so open yourself up, listen, read their body language. Um, 
are, are there a couple kind of like go-to questions you use to kind of like warm someone up or kind of break the ice a little bit when you're starting out? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? Um, we all always say, you know, what do you, what do you do for a living? What, what do you like to do? Um, because those are just good open conversations. Um, but for as far as like interviewing or being on the business end, whatever type of scenario uh-huh. that is, is, you know, the, the simple one, how is your day? Because it's a typical question that everyone gets. And so you're going to get one of two things, right? So someone's going to give you a very simple answer and they're going to say, oh, it was good, right? So yeah. then now you have the opportunity to show you care. It was good. What, what about it was so good? What was, your, what was your favorite thing about the day, right? Like uh, now you get to dive in and they go, oh, crap, this dude actually really wants to know how my day is. Yeah. Or you get a person who's already a little bit comfortable and they tell you a lot about your day. Now you get the chance to repeat what they said. Right. So yep. you get to show that you were actively listening and go, um, you know, let's just say that. Um, well, so for you, like when we were talking earlier, you said you're from Longview, Texas. Like, oh, hey, super awesome. Like um, I'm from Texas as well. You know, uh, I, I like it out there. It's nice and coastal. Um, you know, did were there a lot of hurricanes when you were growing up out there? Did you have like a lot of bad weather? What kind of thing? Right. So now obviously you're starting to dig into their conversation and dig into their life. And now it takes you down a logical pathway. Right. So now I've just talked about, Oh, you know, what was the environment like when you were growing up and you could answer whether it was good or bad. Right. Right. Whether there was a lot of hurricanes or whatever. Right. That may be an interest point to you or not, but it then gives me the avenue for another question. Were you in rodeo when you were growing up? Did you, did you get to, compete in sports, you know, it opens up that dialogue because that's really all you're trying to do at the beginning is build rapport. And the real key to it is taking in those pieces, but then including them in the conversation later, right? Like if you can find a way. So if you're trying to pitch somebody to buy your product for, you know, team tracking and they said, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all state baseball champion from Longview, Texas. You go, (laughs) Hey man, like, you know, when you're really in that tight pinch and the bases are loaded and you got to make the play and it's got to be perfect so that you can get the out so they don't score. That's what this product does. It helps you in that moment, right? Now yeah. you've related yeah. it to something that's value that they know, yeah, that they yeah, understand. Them. They also Emotions now see, too. oh, this person actually cares. Yeah. Yep. That connects to their emotion aspect because yep. like that was a good time for them. In the conversation, you'd be able to tell that at least and be able to tie it back in this. Mm-hmm. That's huge. No, I think so. In the beginning, you always keep it open ended. You always keep the questions open. So a lot of people will tell you, "Don't don't do open ended questions." Yeah, don't do them when you're trying to get specific answers. But at the beginning, where you're trying to understand a person, find their likes and dislikes and interests. Obviously, the more open, the better, because they're going to go down avenues, and some of them you may expect, and some of them you may not expect. But if you don't give them that open, like if you say, "Is your favorite color red or blue?" Well, now they choose between red or blue. But if right. you say, what's your favorite color? They could come back with magenta and now yeah. you can go down an avenue of magenta. So at the beginning, open. When you're trying to get, when once you've gotten that elicit, that response and you got that feel for that person and you're trying to dive into specifics, then dive into those specific questions okay. exactly where you want to go. Interesting. So it's almost kind of like you, you start in the funnel wide with the questions and you get to that specific thing. And then once you get that answer, sometimes, right, you have to start over because now you have that piece of information. Now you need to dig a little deeper. So you got to open it up again and then get back to the, the specific mm-hmm. until yep. you get to that main uh, so thing you're looking for. Yep. 
Okay. It is a roller coaster. Interrogation, yeah. any kind of conversation is really a roller coaster. Um, yeah. And then there's, so then there's the curveball I can throw in, right? And say that oh, there's yeah. a thing called circular questioning. And it's okay. where um, you use it in interrogation to kind of keep a person off the scent of the type of questions you're asking. Not necessarily a requirement in business practices. I guess if you're trying to um, protect confidential, maybe you're trying to keep them from going down a certain understanding what you're looking for in an interview mm -hmm. or something of that nature. But it's really just keeping the questions kind of random and then kind of that spiral, but you okay. have to keep track of what you're trying to get to and things of that nature. But for most people, the funnel method is best, right? Because you start yeah. open, you broad, 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 boom. And now you've condensed to where you want to be. And now you can either choose to open back up or dive down even more. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So, but, but you can also go circular and keep it completely random and nobody has a feel for what you're asking. Right. So it'd be like asking what's your favorite color? Um, what's the last for your social, like all these just random sporadic questions huh. into a conversation. So you have no feel of what in the world, like it would be like if you were trying to talk about interrogation, but you never wanted me to know about it. You'd be like, well, what was it like for you growing up in foster care? And then, you know, what was it like for you in interrogation? And then what was your, what's your favorite journal? Hey, you mentioned Jocko Willing. What's your favorite part of his book? You know, and just constantly uh, keeping me off the trail of where you're trying to go. Um, not as much of a need in business, yeah. but still something. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, I th yeah, I never heard about the circular one, but that, that would be, I feel like that would probably be tougher to, to get good at. Right? It, it is. It's a lot of, um, it's, it really, so memory is a big part of that, right? How well are you at memorizing and really recalling conversation? And again, this is back to that planning piece, right? Yeah. How much work are you doing up front? Like, where exactly do you want to get to? What questions are you trying to answer? And then you can kind of do that circular, right? If you just go into it, it's going to be completely <laughs> random, sporadic. You have no clue what yeah. you're doing. And um, then they're going to see that you have no clue what you're doing. And I guess that could work to your advantage. But if you have a bad memory, it's definitely not. Yeah. So, so it's definitely, it's one of the more quote unquote advanced, uh, but really like anything else, a good plan, right? really yeah. know where you're trying to get to and circular questioning can work, but also that open-ended funnel still exists at the beginning because you have to get a good feel for the person to be able to randomly rotate that conversation. Right. So right. me just knowing that you're from Longview and you like uh, Jocko Willink and you like Joe Rogan, that's not quite enough for me to really pull off of. Right. Like I, I need yeah. to know how many kids do you have? What's your family life like? I need, I need more things to pull from because I constantly have to keep swirling. It has to keep spinning gotcha. at any okay. point where the plates stop spinning, then kind of the, the illusion is up. Right. For sure. Yeah. Wow. So I think, yeah. So listen, um, read their body language, make sure you pay attention to your body language and then watch your questions open-ended and then, and get that to the direct ones. Um, mm -hmm. that's, I think those are all great ones. And I think so many people, um, struggle with just having, for some reason, having those conversations, uh, I think they maybe just put too much pressure on it and they're overthinking it. Is that kind of what you sense when you come and talk with people and help them with it? Oh man, across the board, right? So it's two things, right? So when I, when people talk to me as an interrogator, they're always intimidated because I was an interrogator, but really right. and truly it just means that I know how to talk to people, right? <laughs> and the other piece is when people are quote unquote interrogating other people or questioning other people for business yeah. or for whatever, um, they they just 
it's that power trip and no power, right? Like when those two combine, it gets scary. So for people just be real, be authentic. I mean, it's the gist of my podcast. It's the gist of every interrogation I've ever done. It's all about just real conversation and just be real, be authentic. That's awesome. I I think uh, this is a very valuable information, very good that people can take away um, in their conversations, in their business, in their lives, relationships, even um, to be able to just get to know someone better, get to what's going on so there can be a solution made. And, and so uh, super, super thankful Roman for you being on the show today. Um, before we go, got a couple things. I always uh, ask guests um, one question based on pencil leadership and the, the fifth trait of that. Um, it's everyone's created to leave a mark on the world and we're all different. Uh, so when everything is said and done for you, what do you want your mark to be on the world? Man, I hope my mark is, and it's funny because I, I think about this a lot, especially having a son now. And I think that my mark is really um, real authentic conversations about everything, right? About business, yeah. about foster care, about all of this. Because when you have those real, because one of the cores to me is love others, love yourself, right? And yep. that comes from having real conversations. So I think yeah. it matches with my podcast, Real Talk. And I think really and truly everything I do strives to get people having real conversations and sometimes they're uncomfortable conversations and that's okay. Yep. And I think we all need to be a little more okay with uncomfortable, really yeah. and truly. So I love that. No, I, I love, yeah, real conversations uh, are, are so crucial. So I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Where can people connect with you, find you? I know I put the link to your podcast in the description here, but. Yeah. So I think the best places for me are LinkedIn is kind of my, my favorite. It's where I started. Cool. It's what I really love, but uh, awesome. Instagram, everything, pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can find me at real talk with Roman um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter is the only place it's different limit on characters. So it's real talk with Rome. R O M. So, uh, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to get Twitter to give me the full characters. It's going <laughs> to, uh, awesome. uh, but, that's but awesome. yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Cool. Well guys, yeah. Connect with him on those, on those different platforms. See what he's up to tune into his podcast. Uh, real talk with Roman. I'm sure you're going to really get a lot out of that as well. So again, Roman, thank you so much for being on the show today. Man, thank you for having me. This was an awesome conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope it brought you value. If it did, leave a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. This actually helps us get this in front of more people so we can leave a bigger mark. And then share this with someone, someone that it could bring value to so you can make a difference in their life as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.